YouTubers, thrill seekers, small gerbils, and people named Bob. It is I, your favorite social studies teacher, Mr. Palumbo, and this is the one and only Professor Liberty Podcast. Greetings, folks. I hope you're having a wonderful day. My day is going well so far. It's beautiful outside. The birds are chirping. It's a nice, cool autumn morning, and I love it. Today is also special because it's a federal holiday. Now, you might have missed that today because this holiday is rapidly falling from the graces of our society. Today is set aside every year to celebrate Christopher Columbus's arrival to the New World on October 12, 1492. You know, when you reach a certain age, you begin to witness the next generation coming up. And it's really a surreal thing. Because when I was a kid, Columbus Day was celebrated. You learned about him in school. He was a hero. Presidents made Columbus Day proclamations, lauding Columbus's courage and his grit and his vision. But today, just a few decades later, Columbus has taken the place, it seems, just under Hitler as the worst human being to ever exist. Now, how did this fall from grace happen in such a short time? Well, I'd like to take a stab at that question on today's podcast. And I'd like to try to make the point that this assault on Columbus is an assault on something far greater. Christopher Columbus is in the crosshairs because of the ideals he represents, not necessarily the man himself. So let's start with a little true or false facts, okay? We'll get right into the talking points of the modern discussion of Columbus, and we'll dissect that a little bit. First, it is true that Columbus wasn't the first to discover the New World. And yes, it's also true he never set foot in what is now the United States. The Vikings would have that uh, honor of, you know, touching into North America, what is now Greenland, 500 years before Columbus. Now, if we're going to get technical geographically, I have to say the Caribbean is considered North America. North America is considered everything from Canada to Panama. South America begins with Colombia, which coincidentally is named after, you guessed it, Christopher Columbus. It's also true that Columbus wasn't looking for North America or the New World at all. He was trying to find a faster route to Asia, and he never gave up on that quest. He always thought in his mind he would find that route to Asia. This is why he called the natives Indians. And this is why the Caribbean is sometimes called the West Indies. It's because that constant search for India and Asia. Critics like to bring this point up to question why the United States celebrates a guy who technically has nothing to do with the history of this country, at least not directly. And finally, it's also true that Columbus didn't set out to prove the world was round. This is a fabricated legend, uh, you know, in a way to build up the American ethos and American myth, very much in the same vein as the story of George Washington and not telling a lie about chopping down the cherry tree. You know, these stories are um, apocryphal, if you will, in a sense to build a culture and an identity around a nation, very similar to uh, King Arthur and the Knights of the Round Table for places like England. The last point I'll bring up, and the one that gets the most attention, 
is the fact that many atrocities occurred while Columbus was governor of the island of Hispaniola. And again, this is true, but kind of without historical context, which we'll get into a little later. You know, we tend to throw around words like atrocities and genocide because we're judging historical people's actions by today's cultural and moral standards. So let me explain. Today, there's two concepts, pluralism and relativism, that are the order of the day. Relativism states that there are no real objective truth. Your truth and my truth can be completely different and yet coexist. This is why we have people, you know, today we have males claiming to be females, females claiming to be males. This is why we have dumbing down of mathematics, you know, if you get the problem wrong, it's somehow racist. This is, all of these things are really rooted in the fact that we have no truth anymore. This is also why truth is offensive. If somebody, uh, even a comedian, tells a joke that has a semblance of truth in it, they will be canceled. Now, you guys might have all heard that, you know, there is no truth is in itself an objective statement. You are making a statement of fact. So, you know, this idea that there is no fact, there is no truth does not hold up. And, you know, the world shows us this. But this is this is where we're living today. We're living in this day of relativism. We're also living in a day of pluralism. Now, let me explain pluralism. Pluralism is the idea that there are many ways to get to the same place. In a pluralistic society, uh, this is one in which people hold an array of different beliefs and ideas that can contradict each other, but tolerance binds everything together. It's fair to say that to some extent, the U.S. has always been a pluralistic society to some degree. Now, the reason I bring up these two concepts is because in the 15th and 16th century, in Columbus's time, there's no such thing as relativism and pluralism. So judging these people's actions through those lenses are going to give you an incorrect view of history. Those ideas are about as alien to 15th, 16th century Europeans as ideas like dowries, aestheticism, or absolute monarchs are alien to us today. In Columbus's time, there was a right and there was a wrong. There were ideas that were superior and there were ideas that were inferior. And the superior ideas were pushed. There was no debate. There was no tolerance. There was no explanation. They didn't live in a world of democracy where everyone got a say, everyone got a vote. One author describes it this way. He says, quote, Columbus was born in a time of violence and exploration, unquote. And it just wasn't the Europeans who thought this way. Just a few years before Columbus is born, the Turks sack Constantinople, which would erase the final vestiges of the old Roman Empire. Did the Turks ask the people living there whether they would like to be ruled by Muslims? No. They, through force and violence, the Turks took the city and converted places like the Hagia Sophia, which was this great cathedral, Christian church, into a Muslim mosque. Conquest was the mode of operation across the globe. This is a fact. And when you listen to the so-called enlightened scholars and professors that don't bring this up, you can tell that there is a bias or a forced narrative that they are pushing. 
And we'll get to that uh, here in a couple seconds. So there's no relativism and there's no pluralism in 15th or 16th century. There's force, power, and violence. This was true among Europeans. This was true among Asians. This was true among natives in the New World. For example, there's one story that we get mostly from Columbus's journal, where upon meeting the natives for the first time, Columbus and his men notice that many have wounds and scars, which looks like they came from battle. Now, growing up in an extremely violent world, I'm sure we can trust Columbus and his other men that they know what wounds of war look like. Now, somehow this idea of cannibalism got started where one tribe was peaceful and one tribe was cannibalistic. The history is really murky on that, so I'm not going to take a stand. And it is true that the Spanish crown is going to use this idea of cannibalism to, uh, as a pretext to seek out the hostile natives and either convert them or kill them. Now, we can argue over the evils of that approach, but what I want to point out is why did the natives have battle scars in the first place? Those scars didn't come from Columbus and his crew. They literally just got there. So who was beating up on the natives? The obvious answer, other natives. You see, boys and girls, even the natives waged war. Even the natives took slaves. Even the natives committed genocide and committed, quote, atrocities even before the Europeans show up. So why is this part of the story never told? So back to Columbus as governor. Okay, to the Spanish, this idea of convert or kill was actually considered humane, which, as I said earlier, does not register with us because we are so used to tolerance and pluralism and relativism. However, the main objective, especially on Columbus's second voyage, was indeed to convert natives to Christianity. As governor, Columbus's job was twofold. One, increase the wealth of the Spanish crown, and two, convert the natives to Christianity. Now, forcing religion down someone's throat has never been popular at any time in history, as far as I know, and this is going to be no exception. HistoryCollection.com writes it this way, quote, Native inhabitants could not understand the demands of the Europeans that have arrived from across the sea. They had no understanding of Christianity or any concept that the Europeans now claimed the land as their own. Europeans forced the native population to adhere to the customs and tenets of Christianity without regard for differences in culture and language. Natives that refused or simply did not understand the demands placed upon them by the foreign invaders could be banished from their own villages, sold into slavery, mutilated, or even killed, unquote. So we can clearly see there is no multiculturalism going on, okay? There is no relativism going on. There is a truth and you accept it or you face the consequences. And regarding Columbus's tenure as governor... Since he was indeed the man in charge, criticism and blame for what happened does fall on him. But let me paint you a picture of life in the new Spanish colony on the island of Hispaniola. And you tell me who could govern such a place. First off, you have two cultures slamming together in a world completely void of pluralism. 
as we said earlier. So any tolerance we have today is completely non-existent. Hunger and violence were a constant, which is no surprise to us who've actually studied early colony life in the New World. Disease was rampant among natives, and STDs were rampant among Europeans, who coincidentally got it from the natives and took it back to Europe. A little uh, poetic justice there. And of course, you never hear that about any of this in the textbooks. Even things like diet played a role in the chaos. As HistoryCollection.com writes, quote, European sailors were not accustomed to the food sources of the New World. Wheat was a staple in the European diet. But in Hispaniola, maize was the staple crop. Men became ill because their bodies could not process the corn. Meat from the New World presented the same problem, causing men to have uncomfortable diarrhea and dysentery, unquote. So that was the scene, ladies and gentlemen. Now, how many of us could confidently say that we would be able to govern such a place any better? Clearly, Columbus wasn't up for the job, and putting his family in high positions of power was probably also a bad idea. I often tell my students in class that Columbus should have stuck with navigating and exploring and left the politics to somebody else. But today, like a lot of other historical people, Columbus does not get a pass. His atrocities as governor now makes everything else he did null and void. And you got to wonder, why? why? Why does he not get a pass but a lot of other people do. And I'm going to answer these questions. I'm setting the table here. But why does Columbus not get a pass? Almost like today, when certain people in our society might use a bad word, or they might have used a racial word 10, 20, 30 years ago, they are now canceled. Why is that? Here's a fun fact, though. Did you know that Columbus was indeed punished for his miserable job as governor? of the island of Hispaniola. Christopher Columbus was stripped of his titles and thrown into Spanish prison. The man who just a few years ago was celebrated as a hero was now found guilty of several crimes and was wasting away in a jail cell. Talk about a bad twist of events. Columbus would eventually be freed and he would embark on a third voyage, but his health and his reputation would never recover after his disastrous governorship. In the conscience and in the mind of the American culture and the American people, Columbus would have some kind of lasting effect. The first Columbus Day was celebrated in 1792. A, a group called New York's Columbian Order held an event celebrating the 300th anniversary of his epic landing in the Caribbean. In 1937, President Franklin Roosevelt proclaimed Columbus Day a national holiday. A lot of what made Columbus Day a, a, an actual holiday is lobbying from Catholic and Italian-American groups in America. In some parts of the United States, Columbus Day is kind of a way to celebrate Italian-American culture and heritage. And here is why, boys and girls... Columbus Day has to go. Columbus is a European. He's white. Columbus is a Christian, Catholic. Columbus is going to bring in that ushering of European 
exploration, colonization, and eventually settlement, which to most people on the left is the worst thing that happened in the history of mankind. Your children in school and when you spend 50 grand a year at college are learning intersectionality. And Christopher Columbus is at the very bottom of this intersectionality. He's a white Christian male that ushered in white Christian male dominance on the continent, what is now called the United States of America. So what am I saying, boys and girls? What I'm saying is Christopher Columbus has to go because Christopher Columbus starts this great story of the United States. And the United States has to go. So anything that has to do with lifting up the European contributions to the United States and Western society has to go. So if Western society has to go and Christianity has to go and European white males have to go, you have to get rid of Christopher Columbus. He is like the worst holiday you can have. You need to have multicultural people of color and people of different sexualities. That's the holiday that people want. Christopher Columbus is the embodiment of European exploration and what people would consider domination and oppression of other people. I have heard from people on the left call Christopher Columbus a capitalist oppressor. These people are idiots. Capitalism as it exists today did not exist when Christopher Columbus set foot on San Salvador Island. They had something called mercantilism. But here is lies the key, ladies and gentlemen. The assault on Christopher Columbus is also Marxist. Marxists want to get rid of the United States and the United States is capitalist. So again, Christopher Columbus, whether he knows it or not, is smack dab in the middle of this anti-American, pro-Marxist, oppressor versus oppressed, black and white, easy narrative that Marx liked to talk about. He's smack dab in the middle of that, folks. And we need to stand up and we need to defend if this is the hill that we are going to die on, well, by golly, we're going we're gonna to defend Christopher Columbus. And you know what? Christopher Columbus did some bad things, and he wasn't a perfect guy. But we got people over here defending Che Rivera. Many heroes on the left are people like Ruth Bader Ginsburg, Margaret Sanger. You mean to tell me these people were pure as the wind-driven snow? And we need to fight back with this idea of one sin violates or, or discredits everything somebody does. Because the left likes to do that. Because Christopher Columbus had atrocities while he was governor, everything he's done is now void. Uh, you know, someone like General Robert E. Lee, because he fought for the side of slavery, everything he says or does is null and void. But they don't do the same with their heroes. They don't do the same with their heroes. Che Rivera was a murderous, rebellious bigot who hated black people and he hated homosexuals. So why doesn't he get canceled? It's because he's a socialist, boys and girls. And I want to leave you with this. How do I know that Christopher Columbus 
The real reason they want to get rid of them is because of their hatred of the West, their hatred of America, their hatred of capitalism, and how this is all a Marxist thing. What is the name that a lot of these places are replacing with Columbus Day? What's the holiday they're replacing it with? Indigenous People Day. Indigenous People Day. Well, here's my question. Why not have another day for Indigenous People Day? Why not have Columbus Day and then have another day on another day, Indigenous People Day? Why does Indigenous People Day have to take over Columbus Day? It's because they want to get rid of the European white, they would say, Christianity and capitalistic influences that will come to define the United States. They want to erase it. And in its place, they want a multicultural, multisexual, you know, pluralistic, relativistic, and most importantly, communistic society. Marx was all about redefining the natural order. If you read Marx's work, he was about completely blowing up society, turning it over on its head. And coincidentally, any country that has tried to put Marxist ideas into practice have blown up their countries. The Marxists want to blow up America. And one way you do that is you get rid of those founding people that made the country. And Christopher Columbus was a European Catholic who did not believe in relativism. And because of that, he's got to go. Here at Professor Liberty, we seek to educate, inspire, and restore. If you like this podcast, please give me a five-star rating at Apple Podcasts. If you'd like to email the show, the email is professorliberty1776 at gmail.com. Until next time, go throughout the land and proclaim liberty. Liberty.